Hello, and welcome to Wine and Basketball. I'm Erin, and I am joined by my good friend Justin from Celtic Stuff Live. How are you, Justin? I am great, Erin. Thanks for inviting me to your show. Yes, thank you for coming on my tiny little modest podcast with like 50 listeners. <laughs> well, that's more than we had when we started, so there's that. <laughs> yeah, 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 I guess I guess so. Yeah, you guys, you guys started out when when podcasts were like not even really a thing. I don't think it was a term or if it was a term, it was a term the very year we started. I feel like it got coined in like 2004 and uh, you know, it wasn't even a, it was a live show. When it was a live show, we would push it back out as a downloadable file. But I think we called it a toll-free webcast produced specifically for Celtics fans. We didn't even have Right. Yeah. Yeah. I used to call in when it was um, more fun. When it was, yeah. <laughs> when the team, when the team was fun, when I had like, like hope for the team, I don't have hope anymore. Like, it's just so weird how I used to be like, cause you know, I was thinking about you coming on the podcast and how I used to like, you know, listen to your guys's podcast and go on and be so excited for them to win a championship and like be drinking all the time. And now I'm just like, I don't want to watch this game. I don't want to drink. I don't want to watch them lose. I don't want to look at the people being negative on Twitter. Like, I don't want to do it. That's yesterday. I didn't even watch that game uh, against Memphis yesterday because I just, I didn't want to do it. <laughs> I, you know, I'll tell you for a so, nine o'clock start for us, East Coasters, that going yeah. into overtime was definitely rough. I'll be honest with you. I'm definitely not to every single game this season. I was glued during the bubble and what well, I still am very much behind, you know, Brown and Tatum. I don't totally, I get the frustration because I have it in their game for because they're not passing the ball. But I do think that this is a really weird season. It was such a short break from when they finished up the playoffs in the bubble to getting started with all of the injuries and then the COVID stuff. And then, you know, you're hearing all these rumors about Tristan. And we've always been dealing with clubhouse cancer, I swear, like since they started the rebuild. Like Brad, other than – I feel like we got a jinx placed on us when Isaiah Thomas's sister passed and he lost a tooth in the postseason and his hip was all screwed up and then we shut him off for Kyrie. And as much as I very much hold a great disdain – for Kyrie, there is just this stupid little New England sports fan jinx, like if you take that sweatshirt off, the team's going to lose type of thing going on with we kind of did Isaiah Thomas wrong. And if any, if there was any reason to bring him back on the clock, it would be to atone for letting him go and see if we can't just write the basketball ship uh, with the gods again. Right. <laughs> Right, because I I always thought, or like my theory for the for the year that I've kind of been thinking is that, like, like almost like I guess I'm just putting into my terms of how, um, you know that whole situation with Gordon getting injured in like the first five minutes, um, is like it's like we we were like married to Kyrie and Gordon Hayward, and then now and then we divorced them, and so now we're like dealing with being divorced and trying to like rebuild our, our life. But you know, <laughs> Kyrie is like your first divorce 
and Gordon Hayward was kind of like your second divorce, right? You took it better because you'd been there before. And and it's funny too, like you say that, like, do you remember where you were when Gordon Hayward, you know, broke his ankle? Do you remember like exactly where you were sitting? Yeah, I remember that, but then I don't remember much after that because I was drinking a lot. (laughs) I was in a hotel in Arkansas. I was traveling for work in like Northern Arkansas, like middle of the nowhere, Arkansas. And the hotel was fairly empty. And I remember going uh, downstairs to grab a coffee or something while I was watching the game and, or maybe it was halftime or something. But I remember talking to the, to the attendant in the lobby and just being like, I can't believe that happened. It's so bad. And he wasn't even a Celtics fan, but the game was on national. He was nationally televised for his first game of the year. And, uh, he was headed on in the lobby and I was talking to him about it, but I was, yeah, I was in a hotel room and I think I did get a couple of beers just to, to watch the game with, but I remember being devastated. And then later that night, I think I hopped on, I, and I can't remember if it was, um, the Celtics blog podcast, or if it was just with Bobby Manning's Bob, um, oh, with yeah, the Bobcast. a lot of them have like yeah. some posts. Yeah. So I remember talking to him later that night what is going to go on? I'm like, well, let's just see. It might not be as bad as it is. You know, I feel like he was haunted with the injury bug. And then there he is in Charlotte now, and he's looking pretty healthy. You know, they're, they're at least as adequate as the Celtics are this season. Yeah, I haven't seen um, a Charlotte game this year. I watched a little bit last year, but they, um, I would always fall asleep like during the game I, they were just really boring but I think this year they're not boring so I do want to I do want to watch them because I do like Terry and they sh- love I Terry. think that they should not have yeah I think they should not have traded Kemba for Terry that's what I think but yeah I wish that they I kind of remember feeling like they should just go with the youth movement and I've always kind of been yeah. in that camp so and I you know the thing is is you know, Kemba, all of these vets, right? But just look at the health of all the players that we actually drafted outside of, like, maybe Langford. But you look at Terry, he stayed healthy. That run in the postseason, like, that was the crew. Smart, Terry, Brown, Tatum. And uh, imagine if they had Rob Williams in that little crew. But they were yeah, yeah, instead of Al Horford. Yeah. Yeah, that would be, to me, that would be so good if it was just, like, Terry, the Jays, Marcus, and and Rob Williams. That and the chemistry so would probably have been pretty good. We might not have been able to keep everybody salary-wise when they were all coming due. I mean, look, Terry's making mm-hmm. $20 million. I think Smart's making, like, 12 but he's going to be due to make 20 Jalen's making, yeah. what, 28 Tatum's making 30 32 When you start to add all that up, and then you're going to be tight. But here's the thing. I mean, has anybody that we've traded for you know, at all produced to the level of their max salaries? Like, if we had kept the young players, would we be any worse off? You know, I really don't know. Um, I think Horford provided some strong veteran presence. and um, But, you know, you look at Kyrie, you look at Hayward. Like, since Hayward came into town to face us with the Utah Jazz and everybody started chanting for him and Jay Crowder took it personally, um, we, you know, after that, end of that season, you know, things went, you know, pretty ugly for a few years. And the bubble was such a nice 
lift for us all. And Kemba's a great guy, and there's no doubt. Yeah. But he's kind of a defensive liability. And at the end of the day, he's not making his three points this season. I don't know if he's just missing the lift uh, because of the leg, and what he's been working yeah. through, or will he get it right for the postseason? I don't know. And um, there's not a lot of rest for a team that's been the, you know, the hospital Celtics for several years now. For yeah, for like at least all the years that that I can remember, they've been hurt. That's why they have the cane. You know, the little Celtics man has the cane <laughs> because he's like injured. Because Lucky has a cane. That's hilarious. I never even thought yeah. that. Lo- I thought of that logo. Like, uh, yeah, yeah. They're not even old this year, though. You know, yeah, they're not, not even older. You know, couple couple centuries old. Yeah, yeah, it's funny. Um, so I know that the trade deadline's coming up. I think it's what is it tomorrow? Thursday? Thursday? Yeah, Thursday, Thursday. The 25th. Okay, yep. yeah, yeah. So, um, I don't really know a lot about other players and stuff, but but do you think any of these guys that they have on their team now? should should be traded or like who should they not trade as far as players they should trade like there's obviously a lot of time in the front court like who they should trade them for or whatever i don't know um yeah the problem is is they're gonna have to, if they're gonna make any kind of a significant move then they're gonna have to give up one of the young players so we can, we can i'll take that as the part b of the answer where we go and talk about the players that we don't want to get rid of which would you know break our hearts in one way or another and really preclude us happening the guys that we could trade that you know probably don't have much of much value in terms of taking us somewhere uh moving forward unless we really package it with a bunch of picks and maybe one of the young players you know like tristan thompson i love him because i think he's a good rebounder but things just keep coming out about him not being you know and, and there was uh whose podcast was it i feel like it was kevin o'connor's and they basically talked about Tristan Thompson's really just not a great locker room presence, but it's also just this whole Tice Thompson, you know, four or five lineup mm. thing is awkward. It's really, remember, it wasn't long ago that this team always went small and tried to run their opponents out of the gym with hustle. And now what we're getting is this, this oversized disjointed lineup, you know, and, and, and Rob's minutes limitations prevents them from fixing that to some degree where at least, you know, he can close out really well. He's rangy, alters shots. He might be a good match with Tice and almost Tice playing the four and Tice is shooting better from three point land than I thought. But as far as considering him like a threat to really space things out, it's pretty minimal. Mm -hmm. And where, where we really see it is with Rob being able to take the ball at the top of the key and run all those high screens and then take a ball and run, you know, pass it over the top or or move into a pick and roll. And I think that's where they get a lot more dangerous. So, you know, I know we played a lot of minutes the other night uh, in that overtime game. I think he got up towards 28 minutes. I think they're trying to keep him around 21, mm. maybe 22 minutes a game. So, um, but they, but Thompson was out because of, you know, health and safety protocol or whatever. So Thompson's somebody I could part with. I, I know Teague wound up yeah. putting up a bunch of points in that overtime loss too. And uh, he's a guy, you know, these are two veterans that you would have thought would have been nice off-the-bench additions, and they're just not fitting at all with this club. And yeah. I think it's partly, too, because the team is so young, and I almost feel like 
should have embraced that. So those are players you could part with. I even think you could part with Tice a little bit, but he's affordable. Um, the guys you can't part with that you probably would have to, in my opinion, would be Smart and Rob Williams. If you're going to make any kind of a significant move, they're the ones that are most likely to get the most attention. But I just love both of those guys and would love to keep them here. Players that you could trade would probably be like the Neesmith Langford variety, but I don't know what you would get for Langford being that he can't stay healthy. And Neesmith is just too young and unproven having been this past year. So I don't know that that really moves the needle, as they like to say. So that's kind of the rundown of the players. I think we could shuttle pretty easily. You know, Grant Williams is another guy you could probably move. Um, but again, the guys you're willing to move that you could move that don't really have a fit on this roster probably don't bring enough value in return other than small moves. So it probably won't make a huge difference to what this club looks like this year if you do something like that. Yeah, I don't really think any trade is going to help. Like, they're not really going to – I don't really think they're going to, like, go to the championship. I don't really think that. I mean, look at the Nets. They have, like, everyone. So, like, who cares? Like, there's nothing that they can do to go It's one injury, though. And both of those guys, you know, not in Harden, but both of those other guys, you know, Durant and Kyrie – have suffered injuries. They're they're on fire. They have so many weapons offensively that they're still going to be dangerous, even if one of their big three goes down. So to your point, it might not be worth the gamble. And I've seen people say things like Harrison Barnes probably doesn't get them to championship caliber, and I would agree with that. But I think Aaron Gordon being young, even if it didn't pay off this year, that's still a move you might look at. And it does balance out the team a little bit. They get a little more athletic. They get a tempo um, and everybody keeps saying well Aaron Gordon might not fit because he might have to be the man in town but look at the toll it's taking on Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum to have to shoulder the load every time Tatum goes down and he's still clearly suffering a little bit from the COVID symptoms you know post in fact yeah. Yeah. but Jalen yeah. Brown look at him like he's carried this team offensively but it does wear him down he still puts up some really big nights but then they got arrested and doesn't he have like tendonitis? That's my in point. Yep. So getting yeah. a guy like Gordon, I, Aaron Gordon, they, they act like, oh, yeah. you know, there won't be enough balls for him. And I just don't think that's true. And I think he can play really strong defense. And, you know, I don't know that you can get Gordon without giving up smart. But, you know, even if you gave up, even if you traded Kemba to balance it out and you had a little bit more of an eye to the future, I mean, Aaron Gordon's 25 years old, you know, smart's in the same, you know, area. Like, why not roll out a lineup of Smart, Brown, Gordon, Tatum, and Rob Williams? And you could even keep Tice, you know, for the short term until, you know, Rob's minutes can go up. That's a really nice core to play around with for the future. Salary's still going to be an issue, and they're going to have to be willing to go into serious luxury tax land. But I'd rather watch them grow a young core like that and see what they're capable of and yeah. let guys get rest and take nights off as needed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because we do have some people who are on minutes restrictions and getting over COVID and stuff. So it would be good to have someone who does want to kind of have that role and can play that role. Because maybe Kemba does want to do that, but he 
he just physically, I don't think he can do that with his knees. I think his knees. Are- I just don't think that they're going to be good enough to get past the New Jersey Nets with Kemba, Kemba in this current iteration. You know, if if Kemba yeah. was able to return to the form that he had in Charlotte next season, you know, with that spring and that bounce, I think they could mask some of his defensive defensive limitations, but he's got to hit those clutch threes. You know, you look at him in the fourth quarter and everybody keeps talking about how, you know, the team in the fourth quarter is giving up leads. He's really just not hitting those, those three pointers and those clutch shots. And that's where his value is. So if he can't do that this postseason and he can't regain that next year, it's a lot of salary to commit when you know, you have to like really make a leap to get over, you know, probably the two top teams, maybe three top teams in the East. Yeah. I I think they should trade Kemba away. I would be okay. With I would that. too. And to keep he's, smart, he's nice you know, to keep smart. Yeah. To keep smart. Yeah. 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 I would just want to keep the Jays and, and, and smart. And, and I do want to keep Rob, but like, that's okay. I, I just want I just want my little boys of Marcus. My uh, my dream line when they were struggling a little bit earlier with health and everything was I really wanted to see Marcus Smart, Peyton Pritchard, Caleb Brown, Jason Tatum, and Rob Williams out there. And I did yes. get I think about three minutes of run, maybe a week, week and a half ago. I can't remember. And they came out really good in the first minute they were playing together, but then it didn't really go super well after that. But I like the hustle of Smart and Pritchard and the energy. And I know Pritchard can hit some, you know, clutch shots and he's going to be the one that's going to get left open and Smart can facilitate. And I'm kind of with you. But but when I say I'm willing to trade Kemba, it's not because I'm I'm disappointed in Kemba or I'm mad at him. Like, I know he's not performing right now, but but I'm not really disappointed with that move. We couldn't have foreseen what was going to happen. I just think it's time to say, you know, we keep not committing to the young guys. And that might be part of the reason that you couldn't keep Rozier here, even if you tried, when you decided to move on from Kyrie. Because as my co-host John Duke says all the time, I think they've just gone too south. Well, let's just make the commitment to the young guys before we go too south. And I realize that they're not having necessarily a ton of success right now. Um, but why not just turn it over to Smart, Brown, and Tatum and let them work through it and take the expectations of a championship off don't say don't go get it but just take it off their plate this year and let's just get the core down yeah yeah i i think that too and i was um talking to um another one of my friends and he was saying how like like why do all these stars keep leaving like why does horford horford left and Kyrie left and and gordon hayward left and like why do why do they all leave and and now we have stars that that we made like we made Jalen and Jason so we have to make sure we can keep them if they're really going to be superstars you know we just so don't we want them to what, what are what are they doing in right now. you know Orlando put that right. time in there right he's 25 and now he wants out we don't want to be that club and that that, that may be the no, pressure that I don't the organization think. feels to try to you know go get guys like Kemba and stay competitive enough so that they feel like you know as young players they're progressing but we definitely can't, you know, we can't start going. We can't fall out of the postseason. And, you know, we're kind of dangerously close right now. Yeah. 
I saw the standings the other day, and the Hornets were mm-hmm. above the Celtics. So, I don't. That's weird. It is weird. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so weird, but it's okay. They should have kept Terry, but that's all right. That's a, that's another. I always say. Let's that. trade Kemba back to Charlotte for Terry. <laughs> Back to Charlotte. We can for use Terry. the trade there exception. They won't do that. Get a little salary relief, which we can use to sign smart. Boom. <laughs> the band is back together. Yes. 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 That'd be great. <laughs> nope. <laughs> That's never going to happen. They're probably not going to, nobody, it's, probably nobody's going to be traded. Everyone's going to scream and cry. It's just so like, I don't know. Lately, it's just been so like toxic or something like on Twitter. Everyone is just complaining about it. I don't know if it's just like the pandemic is getting to them, and this is like the only like <laughs> it's one of, of many reasons that they're getting. <laughs> it's been an interesting year, yeah. just because the pandemic, but certainly is part of it. So, um, yeah, I think the I think society is just generally polarized, and you know, even the media, no matter which side quote unquote of the media you're on they're playing us off of each other and i think it's a self-survival to be honest with you the economy the way that it is and the media needing to show Mm -hmm. value to potential sponsors like they're threatened as anybody else during this pandemic financially and Mm -hmm. so um you know when they when they play us against each other the way that they have for the last 18 to 20 months um, and every time you turn on the TV, everything is a crisis. Um, you know, and I'm going to tie this back to Twitter in a second, but everything is a crisis. People keep tuning in. You get addicted to that negativity. And so I think that's, I think that that culture and that environment, it's not just a pandemic. It's how people are reacting to trying to survive the pandemic and their nervousness you know, about their finances and their livelihoods and things like that. You know, desperate times call for desperate measures. And they, the media is stretching every last drop of 911 crisis, crisis, the sky is falling, that they can get every drop of it um, so that we keep tuning in and that we get addicted to that. And I think it's spilling out all over Twitter. You know, I've never seen so many political opinions be so strong as I have, um, you know, and I, and I don't just mean that because it was the presidency. I mean, political opinions of all kinds, you know, everybody's taking a hard stance. And so there's really just no room for reasonable discourse in our society today, right? Nobody's winning anybody else over. Mm-hmm. We've been programmed to square off and hate each other. And so I do. I think in Twitter, you're just seeing people are just taking opposite sides of a conversation and squaring with the Celtics not being a respite mm-hmm. of, you know, stellar performance, you know, because that's where we've all gone to sort of get some enjoyment in our life. With that not happening, you know, that negativity from from our society and our culture right now is just spilling out all over it. And, um, you know, if they were winning, winning cures all ills, not only for the club, but for their families, we would probably right. be like, oh, thank God, the Celtics, everything else is just so crazy. Unfortunately for us Celtics fans, you know, it's it's not become a respite. It's become yet another battleground. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's definitely true. That's I I think that I just felt like people were putting so much into the Celtics 
not not just using it because I use the Celtic as as like oh well this feels normal it feels like a normal day where I just sit down and watch a game after I cook and clean up dinner and I'm sitting down for a game it feels normal it's not like the past year of my life where I've been working from home and like homeschooling a kid and it being stressful and I hate it this is feels like it's like a normal thing it that's where that it brings me and I really don't care if they win or lose or whatever because it's weird that they're playing basketball in the middle of a pandemic anyway so that's how I feel with it but I think a lot of people feel like you know they didn't win my life is over I hate this team trade everyone fire Brad and or they're just projecting their frustrations with their day-to-day out onto the Celtics you know I mean that's a pretty common Mm -hmm. you know that's a pretty common psychological thing to happen to all of us you know every single one is you know we project it mm-hmm. things that we're struggling with, you know, and that could be work performance, and it could be all these different things. And I know this has like gotten really deep, um, which is why we should have had wine. Yeah, we definitely really should deep. have had wine, but I just <laughs> you know, but like that's you know that's know. kind of the thing. It's just, it's just projecting out, and um, you know people don't feel safe, right? Yeah. So you just can't. I guess the only thing I would mm-hmm. say is like is have patience with the team, have patience with each other. You know, what this world needs right now is, you know, a little guns and roses, you know, just got to have a little patience. Yeah, 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 exactly. Just kind of, you know, it's just, it's just basketball. Like, it's just basketball. That's how I feel, but it's okay. Maybe, maybe it makes people feel better when they just scream Hmm. into the void about Kemba instead of screaming about Just put it in caps, baby. It's fine. It's fine. But yeah, I'm and I'm I'm not drinking today. I just when I now when I drink, it has to be like an event that I plan for, and I just you know I have to be prepared both during the day that I'm going to drink and then the day after. So I just it's a lot of work. So um, you know, what do you think about the broadcast from the standpoint of you know a lot of them like they're not traveling with the team. You know, and there's it's been you know cutbacks. You know, like, I think of a guy like Steve Bullpat, who mm-hmm. has great intel, longtime writer with the Herald, and um, you know he has a cantankerous personality sometimes, but he had a great relationship with Danny, and I can tell you, mm-hmm. I always appreciate him immensely because he had this like dry British sense of humor, but he also. Uh, embraced Celtic stuff live, you know, and I don't know that all, all the writers, especially the mm-hmm. writers that were so well established like him, but I mean, I could throw out several names, like, specifically that come to mind would be like Scott Souza, Mark Spears, uh, Mark Murphy, Steve, they all came on our show early on, despite the media being like, mm-hmm. maybe somewhat of a threat at that time. Um, and uh, I remember even Steve would drop a couple of jokes, and he was so dry. And he kind of like, man, you have to tell us what's a joke. And uh, it, it was funny. He was just really slow on the uptake because he was so dry with delivery. But anyway, you know, guys like him getting let go by the hero, like the landscape of NBA coverage. Yeah. Like the landscape of not only, you know, the Celtics, but the NBA coverage landscape has really shifted, I'd say, a, a pretty good deal just in the last 18 months. 
Yeah. Yeah. I really miss Tommy. I really miss like, like his, like his, whatever he was saying or, or like scowling about or whatever that, you know, that, that way he, he was, that's how I felt during the game. Like this ref did something weird or whatever. And he would say how I'm feeling. Like he, he brought my emotion out, you know? And I felt like, I felt like, you know, I felt like, I well, here's the thing. To that, what did know? we just talk um, about? And now, right when the team was frustrating, right? What did Tommy do? Yeah. You know, he kind of gave yeah. us this like sense yeah. of empathy. So, like, even when they really think about the years that they went through in the '90s, you know, him and Mike, and covering the team, and yet people would still tune in, the diehard fans, and you might have been frustrated, but I almost feel like Tommy made you not get so sour because he was so on the other side like, like, oh tommy well he would he tell felt you yeah so lit about it that it would almost temper the fan base mm-hmm. because you'd be like oh come on they're not all yeah like they're hacking us and blah 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 they can't <laughs> but he counterbalanced us he actually made the fan base i think less negative yeah because he did it in a funny way, but he was so exaggerated with it. It almost tempered the rest of us from being, you know, silly. Yeah. You know, maybe that's what it is. Cause maybe it's just like, like Tommy's soul of, of him just being so empathetic to us made us feel better. But now that we don't have Tommy there, we're just like firing off on the keyboards because we aren't being seen it's funny because i've seen scal try to you know maybe that's every what once it is. in a while like he'll and he'll talk about the officials but he just doesn't have the same personality for it you know and um you know oh. it's it's funny because i was just watching scal play some pickup ball and I think he beat the kid at the gym like 11 yeah. i saw that video um and mm-hmm. i think that I think that Scal always had like a pretty decent ego. Like I even remember that from when I was covering the team. I remember when they won the championship and everybody else was kind of in the locker room unless you got in the locker room early when you were covering the 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 final game. You know when they beat the Lakers, you weren't getting in there. Like I didn't make it in, mm-hmm. but Scal came out for an interview and he was you know all over the place with some bottles of champagne and you know. Um, Good for him and good for the team, but I just kind of remember that, you know. Um, and so I don't think he resonates the same way with the fan base as Tommy does, but he's a different person, you know. And Mike is such a pro. Right. He's really – I mean, you've got to take your hat off to Mike. Tommy was his partner, even though Mike had yeah. been slowly adjusting to a, to a change of not having you know, night in and night out for several years now. Um, you got to take your hat off to Mike because it's almost like he hasn't missed a beat, even though. But there's always these moments during the broadcast yeah, where Scal says something and Mike just doesn't respond because he doesn't know where to go with whatever Scal said. And I do have a funny little chuckle every time that happens. You know, I just laugh to myself. Like, yeah, you know. Tommy and Mike, you know, they grew up together. You know, they're childhood best friends. They would never right. be at a loss yeah. for words. Or if Mike didn't respond to something that Tommy said, it suited the situation accordingly. 
Yeah, 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 that that's true. I'm not I used to like Scal. He used to really like break everything down very basic, you know, when they would do a replay and it was very educational. But um, but now he just seems like like he's almost seems like he's more of like an NBA fan rather than yeah, like he's trying to stay impartial. Yep, I would think he wants to you know what I mean? that impartiality. Yeah. Um, and I think that's and I think that's okay too. Oh, I there's got to be a part of him that's like I can't be Tommy, and he might have tried to be. I'm sure there are people in his ears right. trying to like navigate him to where they think he needs to be, you know. But at the end of the day, the most important thing for anybody who's an announcer or a broadcaster or held even a podcast host, if you really want to resonate with an audience, you've got to be true to yourself, and that includes not only the good things about you, but your blunders yeah. as well. You just have to own it. I remember a podcast John and I did recently where I was so enormously negative about the officiating. And I was really feeling in the moment that it had just ruined the game for me, that that up fake and foul and everything else. I just totally flipped out. And it's the first time in a long time I've even gotten feedback from Twitter followers about the show. John's the one that really engages with the audience, you know, barely visible anymore. and it's because of all these other projects I'm doing. But, um, but I remember all of a sudden people popped up. They're like, "Do they give you so much? Why don't you stop watching? Why do you even do a podcast?" You know, they they were definitely you know throwing some rotten apples at me, which I probably deserved to be honest with you. I was really rotten myself, you know. And uh, if I'm going to be that negative and whatever, and people are tuning into my podcast to get you know a respite, like we talked about watching the Celtics. The last thing I want to do is hear me spewing vitriol all over the audience, you know, about why I hate the NBA. But anyway, I, but it was genuine. I wasn't making it up. I wasn't trying to be controversial to get people engaged. It's literally how I felt in the moment. Be honest. Just be honest. And I and and maybe Scal is being right. honest. Yeah. And uh and maybe he is being genuine in the way that he's broadcasting. Um because I don't know Scal. I wouldn't know the answer to that. But I think being heartfelt, sincere, right. Honest, right? You know, the good and the bad. I think people like to know that we're all fallible. If you start trying to put on this perfect air, you're going to lose an audience faster. Than- yeah, yeah. I just, I don't. Know. Maybe I should just stop being so hard on him because maybe he doesn't even know what to do. You know, maybe he's just like. I don't want to be Tommy, so I'm just going to talk about this other team well, for five minutes. Here, here's what happens. Whatever. He's got maybe a producer that's what he's doing, you know? that, I mean, I don't know who the producer is. I'm just saying every show that's done professionally has a producer. Right. And just look at guys like, you know, Gary Tangway. And, and they they play characters, right? And and that's that, see, that's the thing that amazes mm-hmm. me again, to just kind of yin to the yang with Scal and even looping in Tommy, but that's the thing that's always amazed me about Mike Gorman. You know, he has survived this business being himself. And I don't know if Mike made a conscious decision yeah. somewhere along the line to say, I'm just going to be me, or if Tommy protected him. I have. I don't know. I would assume over that length of a career 
and different ownership groups, you know, and and everything else that he had received pressure on many occasions throughout his career to be pushed to be something he was not. And I got, again, I'm sure it helped that Tommy deflected to some degree. I'm sure that Tommy helped protect him from that, but Mike still made a choice to be genuine. And, you know, I've met him in person several times. I've had conversations with him. He's the most real person you're going to meet in Boston media. Hands down, it's not even close. It's just not even close. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm going to try and not be so hard on him because it's probably hard. This is probably you knew it was going to be a disaster. Right? Tommy shoes, so follow him. Yeah. And, oh, yeah, you know, I would say that that would also, just to draw this back to Mike again, I would say that we would be running the same potential risk. But if they have Sean Grandy queued up for whenever Mike decides to, to hang up the headset and the mic, um, I think we would actually do all right. And that normally would not be the case. And they're different people. Um, but that's the thing. That's the thing I do know about Grandy. Grandy's going to be him. He's going to be naturally him. And everybody knows what they're getting. Yeah. And so he won't be Mike. He'll be very different than Mike. Um, but you'll get you'll get the genuine article, good and bad, with Grandy too. And uh, I think we'll actually navigate successfully from that. Who knows? Maybe you know. Maybe if maybe if when that happens, yeah. you know, and if Scal's still doing the gig, you know, m- maybe. Are you there? Can you hear me? I must have hit like the Yeah, it just cut off for a second. Doesn't matter. The show's getting really long. Oh. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it's okay. <laughs> it's okay. I'm so happy that you got to join me. And yeah, I had a really good time. Really good I knew you've you. been doing this for a while. So uh, I, I appreciate the invite and, uh, yeah. and letting me get off script, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, yeah. Not that I'm ever on a script, but I feel like I got to yeah. take the conversation in a direction that I don't usually go in. So it was cool. I appreciate the opportunity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We usually, you know, we just talk and drink. Or not. All right. Well, let's let's yeah. record one of these. Like I said. And I'll uh, I'll drink. <laughs> yeah. What do you usually? Uh, I mean, you now drink? I'm drinking whiskey. You know, pretty much on the rocks. So I used to drink beer, but yeah. I just get all bloated and salty. Yeah. Okay. Ugh. Yeah, I don't like beer. I I have usually I drink um either some type of white wine oh, or yeah. um gin. I do like I do like wine a lot. Um, there's a there's a brewery out in I think California, Orange Swift, and they make this wine called Papillon. It's way too expensive to to just have casually like um and and but it's delicious it's one of my favorite wines but if i'm gonna do you know more of like that 10 to 12 dollar uh wine i really like the uh bowl petit Syrah. Mm-hmm. so there you go there, there's my wine picks at two ends of the spectrum mm. okay yeah yeah that's good 
I just get whatever is at Target. I've actually found something at the liquor store called Riff. Yeah, the Riff. And you know man. how there's that yep. guy on Twitter called Riff or something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's I bought that one because it was like, oh, Riff, that's funny, haha. But it's really good and it doesn't um, really like get oh, that's me a super critical. hangover. So that like, is okay, critical. I'm stick with this so far. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can wake up and function the next day. I'm good. So I'm so old now. I used to drink a bottle. I can't believe I used to drink a bottle of wine per game. I can. Like, <laughs> what is wrong with me? It was fun. Oh, yeah. Pay for it the next day. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And now is when I need the wine. Back then, they were winning, you know, it was big three, like Paul Pierce and Kevin Garnett and everything. Yeah. Yeah. That was the time. I do now. That was. It was a good time. They yeah. I miss KG. It was a good time. Me too. All right. Well, I'll let you get out of here. Yeah. Thank you so Thanks, much. Aaron. And uh, appreciate it. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> Thank you. All right. Bye bye. <laughs>